religion, science, myths and legends all point toward the next evolution in human consciousness. What do the invisible realms hold? Who's telling us and how do they know? We're investigating insights from around the world to answer the question, what does the material world arise out of and where do we go once we've dropped the body? You're about to go interdimensional with Robert Wallace to Undiscovered Spiritual Realities. Welcome to Spiritual Realities, the podcast with your host, Robert Wallace. So today we're going to be talking about the same old, same old interdimensional realities and you. Uh, why are you not in one right now? Another dimension. Uh, so... Growing up, I think uh, most of us are usually informed uh, in fairy tales and things like that that uh, these other worlds exist. Sometimes we're sent, we're brought to church and we're taught taught about heaven, uh, but here's the big mystery of life, and it just never clicks through for people. This is why there is the capability, the possibility of conspiracies against man, because we don't know what we're here to do. Namely, first and foremost enter into the kingdom of heaven. So as a result, it's become infinitely easier and easier to distract young people who are generations and generations deep in forgetting their purpose so that now technology, so now shorthand LOL emojis, uh, so now that the really in terms of but intellectual development has brought us from uh, a great majority of the new youth is the pushing and the advancement of technologies. These kids have grown up with the highest tech imaginable, at least up until this point, and that will continue to be true the further we go. And as a result, you know, their ideas are inspired from that starting place. So if you grew up with records, okay. You, the advancement that you can think, of, unless you're doing some quantum uh, vision boarding, is probably going to be uh, slightly stunted than if you grew up knowing that hovercrafts and you know 3D printing and holograms and uh, storage, you know, a million bits of storage right in your, you know, p pinky, a billion bits or whatever, was possible. Then you're going to be setting your sights even further, standing on the shoulders of giants. Uh, and so as a result, look, they're exponentially blowing out whatever we've created. That's not to say there isn't a generation of vegetarians, of people who are searching out spirituality uh, on a very high degree because they exist too. We've always had all these different types of people. Now there's these different types of manifestations. But the overall overwhelming public and uh, for the big picture, we've all been really indoctrinated with putting technology first technology advancement that is science that is the future that is practicality that is healing somebody that is building something that's research data and analytics like everything it can be tied back to technology being the best form of what any industry can attain to if it just combines with technology somehow and uh you know the huge problem we're going to have uh, with that, which Steiner and others point that it's inevitable that it will destroy humanity, is well, just look at the so-called Internet of Things. Everything is connected. Well, what happens when you start plugging all your data from every which kind of device and getting every kind of 
statistic and analytic and metric from every type of thing, I mean, we can map out the next slight movement of this person in front of us because we've seen a bajillion people living moment to moment for years. And the same technology that recorded it can analyze it and produce models and predictions. And so nothing is a, a mystery. The underlying patterns that make life work so mysteriously are now so predictable, which is why everybody's freaking out about the Facebook thing. Oh, I talked about something. Now it's appearing. That's a suggestion. You should join this group. You should buy this product. Okay. And uh, it, that can be jarring because here now we see a uh, hard and fast manifestation of what a lot of people used to really only know in terms of uh, uh, telepathy. They would know things psychically or intuitively. And now it's like the technology knows it intuitively. Just the same. So uh, now, you know, we've got our subconscious really uploaded to, into a, a technology. So a technological subculture, as Steiner called it. And so now, yeah, our talk about artificial intelligence. I mean, we can exponentially discuss these matters and the implications. The only question that really comes down to was what was in the hearts and minds, the motives of the programming of the technology. Who's, what master is it here to serve? Well, we know for a fact that uh, the average person who's more than average, like 99% of people, you know, who are not dedicated to a godly cause are naturally seeking uh, uh, personal survival or the survival of the fittest or survival of, you know, the, the group per se. But if all that is to survive means to make man the servant of a machine, and that's really what it's come down to. You know, we've forgotten about the homeless. We've forgotten about the the worker at the steel mill or the the person who's overpaying in taxes while another guy's not paying any taxes or why uh, people are, are suffering and starving when there's so much food being thrown away. Like, there's all these rules and all these corporate agendas, and it's become people serving machines, serving corporations, okay, systems. And as a, instead, Steiner has the threefold social order. We should be considering how and what the effects of what we're doing for our uh, employer, what that's doing for humanity from a neighbor down the street. Is this helping anybody? So on both sides, the, the employers don't seem to be working for the individuals, and the individuals don't even realize they're not working for the individuals They've made themselves complacent in a, uh, in, a, in a machine. They're a cog in the wheel, okay? And they're just going around and of their own uh, uh, mindless. I mean, it's their uh, own will to go around and, to, and, and do these things that they're being told, but they're doing it mindlessly. And so as a result, it's chaos. And this artificial intelligence is built around serving this model. And it's going to be the best at it. To the point where it doesn't need the vulnerable weak links because it, uh, corporately, budgetly speaking, is no longer viable to keep humans alive. 
And since, you know, the bottom line is ultimately what is being served here, eliminate. You know, like, I mean, it seems like a funny caricature, but then at the same time, everything that we used to laugh at being possible in terms of robots or what will happen in the future, hello, you know, how, you know, how, how long do you have to watch uh, funny caricaturizing uh, portrayals of the future come to be manifestations before you realize that that's just the way it is. It's so crazy. It gets so crazy that it gets unbelievable, that it gets hilarious. It's just not, it's so unreal. And unfortunately, to our horror, it is not a funny haha. It's a horrible thing. Um, so, so the problem isn't so much that the technology in a lot of ways is available, like, oh, you know, we got to delete my maps because, you know, Google's watching all my stuff and everything. And I'm thinking, well, you know, even if you delete your maps, uh, they're still going to have the data. You're just cutting your own self off of it, you know, in a sense, because uh, there is not deleting of data. Just because you hit delete doesn't mean their server deletes it. It puts it in places. It exists. It's documented. There's registry metrics and thing, you know, ways to pull that back. I don't believe for a second, but at the same time, this is what I have to say to all that. In terms of conspiracy theory and all of this, Martin Luther King Jr. said, he who does not have a cause for which he's willing to die is not fit to live. And as long as we're worried about uh, the impending doom and, and the time closing in where these institutions and, uh, you know, whatever, uh, come against the people, we're wasting our time doing the one thing that will actually set us all free. It has the best possibility of, you know, bringing any kind of reconciliation to the world, even though a lot of the stuff is inevitable. But while it may be, you don't want to lose your, your soul and the purpose for being here. So what is that? Again, kingdom of heaven, interdimensional realities. Uh, we're live in the air and we're just sharing the word because that's what it's all about. So if you have a method that you've used for any sort of self-initiation uh, practice, uh, like I always talk about how to know higher worlds, tagline is A Modern Path of Initiation by uh, Dr. Rudolf Joseph Lorenz Steiner, Classics and Anthroposophy. Uh, I was actually this December, a couple, days, a couple weeks ago, it's now uh, January 23rd, 2020, when I record this, uh, but this last Christmas, We've gone into Dubrovnik and a split Croatia, went up to Nikola Tesla's birth, birth house, and Rudolf Steiner's birth house, went to the Rudolf Steiner Center there in Danji Krylovec, which apparently means Lower Kingston. This is a part of northern uh, Croatia that used to be a part of Austria uh, before something that had to do with Yugoslavia happened, uh, changed that, some war, I think. And as a result, Steiner, who was born in Austria, his birth home actually exists in Croatia now. And so uh, anyway, we had some interesting discussions with the people running that organization over there. And uh, Rudolf Steiner in general, if you don't know anything about him, uh, there are techniques wherever you go. I know I'm not going to talk about Rudolf Steiner right now. Okay. But there are, I am. But I know there's some people, let me just put this out there. There's some people in my life who say, uh, you talk about Rudolf Steiner too much. I don't want to see pictures of Steiner. He looks creepy. 
Okay, look, he died in 1925. His pictures are in black and white. He he dressed in black, but he... Oh my gosh, this man is a miracle man. I just love him. I I just weep. Just read the text, you know? But people are judging a book by its cover. You know, back when you couldn't smile, he was smiling in his pictures, okay? So let me just... Uh, blurt that out there. Uh, but what I will say actually about the movement that's happening in Dodgy Krylovec, there is a spa up there. And in that spa, people are uh, receiving Rudolf Steiner massages. They are consuming uh, biodynamic, uh, biodynamically farmed uh, foods uh, that are prepared for them uh, right on site, right on campus. It's grown. And, uh, and we've got a lot of other things. That Rudolf Steiner Center there is actually the first... Um, publicly owned Steiner branch. And so uh, the actual town of Donji Krylovec, when uh, one of my contacts up there, uh, Joseph was uh, the governor, was was actually made to be allowed to be built and is a publicly funded institution, and which it very well should be, especially in his birth hometown of all places in the world. But um, on top of that, you know, you have the birth house. And that birth house is owned uh, by somebody else, and uh, the center has access to it. So now it's the institution, which is only four years old at that site, okay? Because all the governors before, no, they didn't want, I don't understand how that could happen. They never picked up a Steiner book. Uh, But now it's up, it's four years young, and uh, we need to get traffic over there. So if you're a Steiner head, um, I'm a Steiner head. Get down to Donji Krylovec, Croatia. Show some support to the branch over there. Visit the spa over there uh, and and get to that birth house. The train station is right nearby. If you know anything about Rudolf Steiner, uh, there was a train station his dad worked at. He spent a lot of his time as youth there. And um, and it's just really, it's, it's a landmark, you know. It's like, a, it's a mystical origin story, you know, that deserves to be... Um, uh, landmarked. I want to, so anyway. There's there's a lot of plans for that now. But uh, so yeah, Croatia. That was fun. This last uh, week, I just got back two days ago from Cancun, and I had to go there uh, to soak up some uh, fun in the sun and did some volleyball and uh, my muscles are sore. But of course, every day, my whole time out there, full of meditation, Steiner, and that's what's got to be about. Because on one hand, it's like yeah, I went out there and do that, but I don't want you to think I was ever. I could never get distracted from my one true love. Okay, I'm just kidding. But um, anyway, and then tomorrow we're actually I'm actually going out to Dallas. Again, my brother just had a birthday, so normally I don't have a um, I don't talk about my personal stuff in here. But uh, spiritual realities has been kind of lingering, so I just want to make sure that I inject a little bit of soul life into it. And that was a a, f- a finger spinner thing. Um, okay, so if you have any questions or comments, if you yourself have ever gone interdimensional, like I, I've had a, a various visions, uh, a vision of Christ, vision of Krishna, and I say vision, visions, I mean actual encounters in unbelievable ways that you wouldn't believe. Masonic, Egyptian, uh, uh, interdimensional experiences, Mayan interdimensional experiences, uh, Something that involves a design found in Zoroastrianism, um, alien beings, Teletubby type beings, um, 
pastel striped hilled landscaped environments uh, reptilians ships um, a lot of these are isolated like one time event sort of things uh, but there's a huge collection of different kinds and uh, I'm very critical of my own thoughts too because uh, I know that I like most everybody can be susceptible to imaginations. And plus, I'm very skeptical of other people's stories, too, because I've seen crazy. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to waste my time with anything that's not genuinely taking me into this other dimension. Uh, and I think it's important to realize that uh, if you're on this path, you have to be very level-headed. And you have to be uh, uh, very self-aware and critical of certain experiences, not that you're doubting everything that happens, but that you're at least making sure that these aren't simple influences uh, that have come through wishful thinking, uh, from uh, being influenced by things in your past. Um, and so that's also, you know, kind of hard, too, because in a sense, uh, everything that we do experience is uh, comes out of our past in some way. It was kind of seeded. Its necessity was... Uh, uh, put in place by events and circumstances and thoughts of the past. But even now, uh, you can look around you and you can see the things in your environment. And these are things that represent parts of your past and parts of your future. So there are things around you in this room that are actually part of your future and uh, also represent your past. So you might see things, oh, that's weird, that's weird, piece of art, this, that, and the other. And in the future, it'll come to be an event for you. It'll come to be something that you'll go through or experience or have on a grander scale or something. So uh, there's a lot to be said for the thoughts that are had, okay? And this is what makes issues like synchronicity and coincidence uh, so it's... I wouldn't even say it's taboo. I mean, it's like dreams. Like, oh, everybody's got dreams. Oh, tell me about your, the hallucination you had last night. Oh, you had a coincidence? Oh, tell me about the the wishful thinking and trying to connect those unrelated things that you just... Uh, happenstance, coincidence, uh, luck would have it, came together in such a, a funny way so we can talk and laugh and, and then move about, uh, talk about other things. But the thing is, the spiritual world is so interweaved that not only are there um, mysteries that confront us all when we experience a synchronicity or something, but there's also bigger mysteries of like what underlies physical reality, it being spiritual beings, who unlike the physical counterpart are actually moving and alive and happy and thinking and feeling and having a separate existence outside of this world. I mean, that's way beyond. We can't even hardly talk with most people about anything like a coincidence because their faith and the ideas of the spiritual world are so superficial that everything has to go through the uh, psychological filter that they've been uh, imp- you know, impressed down by upon by you know the scientific community. Oh, psychoanalysis proves that you know most you know neurotics see faces where they don't exist. You know, and it's like, and then all of a sudden we start correlating extreme behavior or religious fundamentalism or religious fanaticism with religion at all. Just having any religious beliefs where you stand up and it means more to you than a, you know, a bacon sandwich. All of a sudden you're a fanatic. Oh my gosh, you want to take your kid to that school? Oh my gosh, you don't believe in that? You know, everybody believes in that. You know, it's like, oh, and it just keeps, it 
coming down and down and down. So that way, uh, you know, we can't, I don't know, people aren't going to be able to say they're any religion at some point. Steiner actually talks about a time when people will be inoculated. They'll be given shots, and those shots will actually make them atheists. And I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, that's intense. Well, recently I found an old post I posted because I found this video that was taken in some governmental uh, branch meeting. And there's a guy giving a presentation about the shot that they found is able to shut off a part of the brain that is activated whenever somebody prays. So they took these... Muslim people and Christian people and these spiritual people that looked at their brains when they were under meditation and prayer, they found that part of the brain, and then they found a chemical that will actually neutralize that part of the brain. So they basically become incapable of having faith, believing. They've turned off their belief receptor, if you will. <laughs> so it's literally come to pass. It, the technology exists, and it's just a matter of time to take in. Obviously, the Bible and, and God out of you know all of our public institutions and everything's debatable because if God's there, then devil devil has to be allowed to be there too, and this and that. And you know, there's just like the legitimacy. Like people, you know, like look, things have happened in the world. People have suffered. There's things like you know uh, whether it's the Me Too movement or whatever. And there's people coming out and they're finally getting their say. But then there's also at the same time. Uh, oversensitivity to the point where uh, we can't even state our own beliefs without somebody else feeling like their toes are being stepped on. So we've come to this place where suffering people, we're all becoming more sensitive to the sufferings of the marginalized people. And that is the thing that's got us all on. We're like, yes, that's great. But at the same time, now, where we were kind of sensitive but managed to bite our tongue before, now that's become an all-out assault. It's become like warfare for somebody to state their beliefs that we don't believe because we don't believe it. That's harassment. That's hate speech. I'm not giving any examples because uh, I don't specifically belong to uh, many of you know these types of groups because uh, in groups of people who have been accused of things like that. But I know those people have perfectly innocent beliefs and other people feel like they're attacking them. I mean, for, I can actually identify just saying that I believe in Jesus makes, uh, there's some people who feel insulted by that. They think, oh, if you believe in Jesus, then you're against, uh, you know, gay people and you're, you know, full of hatred and stuff like that. Well, it's not a secret that I'm married to a man. So, I mean, but the thing is, you can't even be, uh, a Christian, and, you know, yeah, granted, that's the other side of this thing, is now I can, you know, be who I am and, and you know, live a, a fuller, more transparent life, but on the flip side, you know, it's still hate speech, and, you know, some Christian circles do even, you know, believe in God, because there are gays who believe in God, there's a ton of them, but then there's some who feel like that automatically means you're, you're judging them, and you're part of a hate group, an extremist, and it's like, Look, we just need to coexist. People are, you know, we don't have a perfect understanding of each other's interpretation of these matters because in my world, I can't have hatred towards anybody. So I don't know what you're talking about. But the Bible itself is being considered hate speech in some places. And so, you know, even though I'm not giving perfect examples of this sort of activity, think about it. It's happening. People are saying it and people are listening and changing rules about it. So, I already regret saying some of what I said because I feel like it's going to be taken the wrong way. Um, 
because naturally um, these things are going to come about. It's just the age that we live in. The, the constellations are changing, if you will. Okay, the stars are aligning, and it's a it's a new wave of thought activity and stuff like that. And on the deeper spiritual level, I think we should have a, a very tight uh, filter on the way that we even talk to ourselves because how we're talking to ourselves is how we are talking in the spiritual world. And that content should be raised so much higher even than our most cordial talk here in terms of its clarity and its tactfulness and its loving understanding and patience and all of these qualities because it's a much more finer, more delicate world, a higher vibration of spiritual love where even the smallest uh, iniquity in the smallest uh, infraction is um, monstrous by comparison in this pure world. So there's a lot there's a lot to be said. And so while we try to be mindful of other people's thoughts and feelings, we also need to remember that certain beliefs that we have, uh, we need to be able to uh, confront that some people won't be happy. So the Bible says, uh, you know, don't offend. Try not to offend people. You know, so don't say things purposefully that you know are going to offend. Uh, but there's also a, a matter of righteous indignation, okay? So, you know, we can try not to offend and we can be tactful. But if you if you get to the point of being ashamed, whoever's ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of. If you get to a point of denying God, whoever denies me, I will d deny, as Christ says. You know, and then you get to this place where, you know, we're not speaking. I think it says in Psalms or whatever, you know, uh, say to the heathens, you know, the Lord reigneth. If we can't say these things because it offends, because now it's hate speech, you know, then we need to look at, okay, you got to batten down the hatches and you might have to, you know, defend the truth and say things to people who are going to claim that, you know, you're against them. And so it's not a matter of simply always, you know, remaining silent or trying to change your voice. And a lot of times it's just a matter of, like, you know, don't argue with a fool. So if somebody's foolish, which, you know, you know, like the Bible says, like the evidence of God is everywhere. You can look at a tree. It's beginning of Romans. You, anybody can tell that there's a God. It's, you know, it's willful ignorance, you know, to pretend like, you know, there's no God. And the ways of God are foolishness to those who don't believe. And so, um, you know, they think you're a fool and uh, they're a fool. They're, their statements by definition that, you know, eject God out of the conversation are, at least by that definition, a bit foolish. And so, you know, there's the argument right there. Don't argue with, uh, with a fool, which I hate to use the term fool anyway, um, because like the Bible says, whoever says you fool, raka, you know, it's in danger of the hellfire. So it's, you know, walking a thread whenever we try to, like, caricaturize somebody's level of intelligence. And so that's why I always try to find out, like, where are you really coming from? Are you trying to antagonize me? Are you trolling, you know? Uh, or do you actually, like, care? Like, are you true to your beliefs and you just happen to disagree? Um, because there's some people who don't have any intention of learning. Though I can say that when I worked at the Church of Scientology and I had people calling in uh, bomb threats and, you know, anonymous and stuff, uh, which I, I came to understand those a lot of those people later, but, you know, granted, there's kind of a mixture of just uh, hooligans and, um, and there's people who actually are protesting for, you know, reasons they think are really valid and it's understandable and so in some of those conversations it was really a matter of 
at least, you know, me taking time to find out, hey, you know, I'll let you, you know, speak your piece or yell out what you're saying, but then just let me ask a question. Like, well, what have you heard? What are you afraid of? What's going on? Or And then start to hear some of the legitimate things they have to say and then actually entertaining it and holding an actual conversation with, with somebody who sees things differently. Steiner says, look, you know, it's not important that a person... Uh, come to know the truth by what I have to tell them. What's important is that they come to find the truth within themselves from what I have to share. So if I can share something and from that they can find the truth themselves, that's what's important. Not trying to force your perspective on somebody else. And so that goes back to the tactfulness. Now, um, you know, there's a lot to be said for how gentle we should handle other people because, you know, on one hand, it's considered, you know, a, a sin uh, from in some circles to even try to convert a person uh, to go against somebody's free will or impose yourself upon another person. In other circles, we have, you know, the Great Commission to go out into the world and preach the gospel, you know, so, you know, sharing, you know, your truths, sharing what you believe is necessary for somebody's salvation and it, it, it's it's valid and important um but then you know shoving down somebody's throat and condemning them and actually feeling feelings of pity and you know just dis, discuss at people in terms of like judging them that's different you know so we can share you can disagree i can pray that hopefully you know the ideas find some meaning for you and that whatever you know i believe god once for you, you know, happens according to his will, but not your own will. But, you know, after that, it's like, you know, you love them. They're on their own path. You know, there was a time wherever you are in your path that somebody who was above you was looking at you in dismay and disgust and judgment. It's like, ah, here we have this hooligan. And they didn't know that you were some spiritual searcher who was going through your own stuff, who would eventually find your way maybe to where they're at or further on a different path. And that you you had a path to go on, but this person is judging you. Don't be that guy who's actually judging other people for that. Uh, because, you know, uh, obviously we're all going to end up, whether in this life or another, at some end of the spectrum. And if we're on the far end, the beginning end, you know, we're going to know what it's like to start out with disadvantages, to start out with negative surroundings, to start out with little or no information, some people with little or no literacy, you know, in a negative environment. And the people who've really, truly gone the whole path, truly, they'll look back and they'll know that the struggles are real. And they'll look back and they'll have sympathy and empathy and they won't be the ones judging. Let him without sin cast the first stone. Jesus had no sin. He didn't even cast the first stone because he knew. He knew that things were difficult and that mercy, God desires mercy, not sacrifice. So... Um, but again, you know, it's kind of just an interesting subject to think about because, you know, we walk the line, especially on the Internet. You know, uh, we can make statements and if they're not, our statements aren't perfectly crafted. And even when they are, they can really spar on a, a lot of uh, derision and hate speech from people. But, you know, that's the thing. That's the great the great thing about, you know, the Internet is some really bright light shine through and, you know, some just real shadowy uh waves come through you know not just haters you know there's people who are like you know anti you know they're purposely you know you know 
propagandizing a particular side. There's people who aren't really being objective or caring or people who are just generally starting trouble everywhere. And so people take it personally. It's like, oh, this person just sows discord. doesn't matter what or how. They just sow discord. And it's nothing personal. You're just there. And so um, that gets people riled up. Um, so a lot of it is not, you know, very helpful. But what I do find helpful is when you do have to hear people who are angry and say to yourself, look, there's a reason why they're angry. Yes, we know at the root of anger is really, you know, fear, uh, fear of the unknown, fear that it won't be okay, fear that this is going to require change if we acknowledge its validity. At the same time, we need to listen past the words that are being said. We need to read between the lines because when they're saying what they're saying, what they're really saying is that a great majority of blah, blah, blah have done blah, blah, blah and have caused another group to feel blah, blah, blah. And so that discompassion requires that I'm not going to put up with that. I'm going to be frank and I'm going to say these things. And you're like, oh, those I get the truths that you're saying and I can understand why you feel the way you feel. Oh. You know, like that right there disengages, disarms the person in a lot of ways. Because you're not coming to attack them right back. You're saying, looking at what you're saying without allowing it to get me worked up, on its face, it makes sense. On paper, I get it. It makes sense. And that's a really good starting place. But uh, And we, sh we have to be able to put ourselves in other people's shoes and see it from their perspectives. And so even people who are against our perspective, let me see, um, you know, my perspective from your perspective. Oh, I can see how it would appear that what I'm doing or saying or whatever, how it, you know, what it impact you or make you feel that way. And in some ways, uh, you know, we're able to break it down and address it. Now, whether a resolution comes through conversation you know, usually, especially in the internet, you don't have time for conversation. You get a couple comments. Maybe you do. Maybe somebody fills up a whole, you know, comment thread going back and forth with somebody or they start direct messaging somebody. Uh, but in the public arena nowadays, you know, there's just not enough, you know, time to break down every detail. So it's really just about finding uh, agreeable language to reconcile differences. And, you know, it's really good to start off with concessions. I understand that. I can agree with that. I don't like when that happens either. That's not my favorite part of it. Or I used to feel that way too, you know. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry you feel that way. I mean, you know, there's got to be a better way, you know. Empathizing, sympathizing, you know, with their situation, and this can help bring peace. Um, and the problem is that when it really comes down to it, it's a fundamental disagreement of views. And so when you're trying to help bring peace between, you know, a brokering peace between a, a person and an ideology that they're against, particularly one that you are for, then, you know, you, you got to confront things like, well, we have a fundamental difference of opinion about where we come from as human beings or where we're going. For instance, a believer in spirituality versus somebody who's antagonistic to it or a believer in reincarnation versus somebody who feels like it's a doctrine of demons or something. And so... You know, you can't exactly, ex you know, expect to, you're going to convert people by articulating further why you believe what you believe, because at the root of it are two different subscriptions. You're both subscribed to different magazines. I'm subscribed to this holy book and you're subscribed to that one. 
or what. Uh, you subscribe to different ideologies, philosophies. And so when it comes down to it, then there has to be a reconciliation. If you maybe hopefully know some material, you can correlate, done some comparative religious studies, and you can say, oh, well, what it says in your book is this, and my book actually agrees with it when it says this, and find the agreeing points. Because then now all of a sudden it makes sense why from that perspective. Like I can say, for instance, what comes to mind is Jehovah's Witnesses. A lot of people, and I don't get it, a lot of people are, oh, Jehovah's Witnesses are coming to the door and they're harassing me and they moan about it and they make jokes about it. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I know I haven't really been uh, door knocking uh, like that, but uh, the scriptures do say to do that. They do say to (laughs) talk to people and evangelize and, you know, and... uh, and they just, to me, I have a lot of respect for them because these are the people who are actually doing something. You know, you, you might be down in Scientologists, you might be down on Mormons, you might be, but the Mormons are, you know, the tithers, the Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm sure they're great on their tithing too, but they're going out and living out their faith. You know, uh, you know, Scientologists, there's a lot of people who are actually devoted to the spiritual philosophy that they're claiming. So let's start there. You know, there's a great thing that you can get on board with that we should all be doing. And each of these groups that, you know, we have feelings against, they're doing something right. So while you're sitting there condemning, maybe uh, at least do as much right as they're doing before, you know, or as I think uh, Jesus said, you know, you have to be at least as righteous as the, the Sadducees or the Pharisees if you're going to enter, at least as righteous. So before... You know, we're complaining and overtaking them and all this. Let's make sure they're not like actually usurping you and some of the duties that most people are still failing to fulfill. And then we can talk about righting their wrongs, you know, where they exist. Um, so with that said, I think it's really important that we remember that we got a mission to go interdimensional that if we keep that in mind, it will inform the decisions that we're going to make. That when we talk about these things, there's always going to be people who disagree. And we have to allow them to disagree. We have to be careful that we're tactful and not imposing. But we also need to make sure that we're not uh, selling out or uh, becoming too afraid to talk about these things. Because we actually commission uh, to discuss them unashamed of, unashamedly unashamedly making up words uh without being ashamed and so with that said uh you know you've got to be able to uh you got to be able to uh, handle uh disarm uh when people are coming at you and you know they're angry and if you do that in a loving way that you know fosters uh happy feelings loving understanding uh relationships as much as possible you can create a friend. You can create an ally. You can show somebody that you're not all like that, whoever your group happens to be. Uh, which you know that people are, are sensitive, more sensitive now, which is good. This is more of, I think, uh, a symptom of a spirituality, of us becoming more in touch with our higher uh, spiritual nature. Uh, but at the same time, uh, there's also uh, disingenuousness that can be mixed in where some people are... You know, saying they're offended by harmless things even though they're not, and it's ruining it for everybody. So people, don't hug me. It could be sexual assault. I don't want to hug her. (laughs) 
I mean, I've worked with people, and they're like, can I hug you? Because <laughs> they're afraid they're going to get me too I mean, that is ridiculous. There is, we have to be able to differentiate uh, between, you know, unwanted sexual advances or assault and, you know, being natural, loving human beings among each other. And sometimes life is uh, uncomfortable, but it doesn't make it assault. And now, of course, again, like assault exists, that stuff exists. But the line nowadays is becoming so blurred that there's justice happening. And then there's also a hardening up of society's heart. We have to. We have to harden up our hearts. That's because that's what people think. Because if they don't, they're going to get accused of, you know, uh, some impropriety. And while there is sensitivities that need to be observed, um, you know, at the same time, people are withdrawing themselves. We already have technology people withdrawing themselves as it is. And now it doesn't even feel safe to talk to anybody. Uh, and a lot of people uh, are not like that. They're like, no, I want, I want a hug. I want a human physical contact. I want you to come around me. I want you to feel free to say whatever to me. I'm not so easily offended. And the problem is that even though we still, among us, are having these open attitudes towards others, people won't talk to us on the subway or in public places. They're afraid. They don't know what they're going to get. They don't realize that we actually want to talk to them, too. This person that we're sitting next to. Or we could have been the bestest of friends had we started off a conversation. You broke the ice with something. But now it's just like we're just going. Uh, we're just going really introverted. So it's important to develop yourself spiritually. That'll give you the confidence to uh, approach matters confidently and um, uh, with, uh, so with courage and self-confidence, I should say. And uh, that's really what's what's necessary if you're going to grow forward in the world helping humanity we can't get sucked into becoming antisocial becoming afraid we can't get sucked into exaggerated uh, problems but you know when the the social tides are more in alignment with morality than some religion you know some like actual denominational organizational states you know where there's you know bad things happening in the churches and stuff like that you know sometimes society will take the moral lead like you know what was meant for the jews went to the gentiles you know and so but at the same time there's a lot to be said for you know becoming more sensitive to human beings iron sharpens iron you know one side helps the other and we should find ourselves somewhere in the middle but at the same time you can do that you can become like in in anthroposophy we talk about the, there's a differentiation between lucifer and satan okay two different beings and in a lot of religions and belief systems people count it as one they're the same being and in this uh perspective there's uh lucifer who is the the light bringer who is on the extreme creating egoistic beings and then on the other uh there's the materialistic uh aramonic forces of destruction and uh technology also and in the middle is the christ force which is balancing out so you have to be in the world but not of it so that means we have to still confront these forces and impulses of, of selfishness and destruction, and they exist, but they each bring with it something right, too. There's a reason why they're there in the first place. It's that they've gone awry. 
That's the problem. But it's not a matter of demolishing them altogether. We need the Luciferic forces and we need the Aramonic forces moderated, and we need to balance that. But of course, they bring with them each separate temptations. And for the unconscious who become all possessed of uh, one or the other or both, uh, there is uh, a lot of destruction and pain. And so there is a allowing that has to happen, allowing of the wrongness without necessarily having to criticize it and judge it. We can watch something that we disagree with and we can keep our keep our mouth quiet without having to criticize and understand. It doesn't mean we have to tolerate it or, or believe it per se, but we don't have to force it to change. We don't have to remove ourselves unlovingly from situations that are very difficult to bear, which even as we develop spiritually, hearing false information is very irksome, very painful to bear. It's even as physical pain to be in the presence of hearing disinformation or hearing ugly portrayals of of truth and, and people talking in ways that are uh, unspiritual and lies. And yet we still need to be able to be in the presence of and handle these situations tactfully. So anyway, with that said, this has been Spiritual Realities. I'm Robert Wallace. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, uh, any ideas of things that we should talk about, just let me know. Uh, I appreciate your time, and I look forward to another episode very soon. Bye. So you can visit us on spiritualrealities.net, facebook.com, forward slash spiritualrealities. Uh, you can contribute to the show if uh, you want to help it uh, continue and grow. Uh, enjoying the Patreon uh, and so we have that up available at spiritualrealities.net and there's a donation option there too and again I recommend if you're going to Croatia or you want to go to Croatia there's a lot of things going on over there including but not limited to the birth house of, of Rudolf Steiner Nikola Tesla's over there and in um, the center so you'll want to check that out okay.